Welcome, welcome back, everybody out there to the choir room. We are still here in season three, just getting started with this second half of episodes. Not really just getting started. We already did get started, but we are here up to episode number 12. It is titled The Spanish Teacher, and that is for a reason. We have a special guest uh, on the show, not in the choir room. Uh, I don't know if that was a tease that I just, you know, let out real quick. And sorry, that was uh, that was probably a bad thing to say. We have a special guest on the show is what I meant. Um, and of course, my co-host is here as well, who is always my special guest, Aman. How are you doing, Aman? Buenos dias, if you're listening in the morning, or uh, I forget how to say good evening in Spanish. Buenos noches. Buenos noches. There we go. Buenos noches. Oh my goodness. Well, you can see, you can see I didn't take Spanish in school. Um, yeah, happy to be here. This is the Ricky Martin episode. I am not as transfixed by Ricky Martin as a lot of other people seem to be. I think that he's very handsome, but... I guess I just grew up in the wrong time to mm-hmm. really uh, be into him the way that other people are. Yeah, I'm probably on the same page. Like, I was thinking, you know, the, the reactions that we're going to get to of the Glee kids when they see him. I'm like, maybe if I, you know, we were in person, I probably would react similarly. But, like, watching on TV, I'm not like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, right. Sweating or anything like that. But maybe it's an in-person thing because there are some celebrities that, you know, they're pretty attractive, you know, as you see them on on camera but then when you meet them in person you're like holy shit and that's when i continue to come to the conclusion of no one is ugly people are just rich (laughs) now i feel like you have a story of like a celebrity you thought was going to be so much hotter than they were um i'm sure they're not going to listen it's okay you can tell us it's a safe space here i'm trying to remember the specific example it happened a while ago. Okay, well, while It'll you come think, back to me. while you think, let me just continue to set this episode up. It is Ricky Martin. Uh, he has stopped by. No Gwyneth Paltrow this season. No Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, Adina Menzel is off taking care of Beth for now. So we are going to get to the next and latest guest star. We have Ricky Martin here on the Glee set, and he is going to take the Glee Club by storm. But first, uh, we have to, of course, acknowledge that this is a Will Schuster episode. We haven't gotten one of those in a while. Yes, uh, Will has sort of been relegated to the background, uh, not to any of our chagrin, because we tend to care about the kids more anyway, and it's their senior year. Will is seemingly going to still be a teacher. He's not going to graduate, so I don't really give a damn what's going on with him. So yeah, it's it's nice to know that we are, we're not forgetting him completely, even though I'm sure most people are like, Will is like their least favorite character, so I don't think that a lot of people probably gave a damn about the Will of it all, but more so the Ricky of it all. But yeah, good for you, Will. Welcome back to the big leagues. Yeah, we've covered plenty in this podcast about how the show we thought originally was very centered around, you know, bringing Matthew Morrison onto the show. And in a way, it still is. He's still one of the lead characters. It's just as the kids became such fan favorites, and obviously it's like, you know, 
all the all these kids in the high school like obviously the fans are going to respond so much more to them than they were going to for this teacher that you know cool that's matthew morrison and he can sing and dance as well but like you have Brittany and you have santana and you have kurt and blaine and there's just way too many characters from the kids that are you know important and it does kind of push will to the background but every once in a while they bring him out to the forefront and here we are in this very episode which is going to be centered around will schuster and his spanish teaching career that is not covered a whole lot but it's still something that's existed the whole time and you know up until this point season three episode 12 that will has been a spanish teacher and again we don't talk about it a lot because it doesn't come up a lot because he's not a very good spanish teacher he doesn't know much about the language or the culture yeah we don't really get a lot of him speaking spanish except for in the first uh season and then it's sort of is you only really see him in a classroom it's ninety percent of the time it's in the in the choir room. So yeah, it's it's uh it's something that I think that they didn't really think too much about when writing his character. And then, as they realize, well, this series is probably going to go on for a while. We probably should probably have this guy speaking Spanish, being that's what he uh teaches. And then you get the whole substitute teacher thing with with Holly, and then she ends up being a better teacher than he is. So it's just like we we were getting like little hints. Every now and then that, yeah, he is the Spanish teacher, but he don't give a fuck. He really doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, so this episode gives them an opportunity to address all of that and, you know, move forward in a way that we're going to see, of course, by the end of this episode, that Will is no longer going to be the Spanish teacher, which was a long time coming. So we finally arrived at, uh, you know, that being the way forward here, which is a good thing. And, you know, they incorporated a guest star that was just a whole lot of fun along the way. So let's get into it all. Uh, We're going to open this episode off with Will... Uh, Artie, Puck, and Finn up at the front of the classroom. Of course, Will seems to teach all these kids in the Glee Club and also teach them in Spanish class. I don't know. I guess he's the only Spanish teacher in the school. Um, And they're doing a little number up there, and uh, it seems to be going not so well as it used to. Will is confiding in his confessional about how he just feels so out of touch. Uh, This performance of La Cucaracha is just not as good as it used to be. Uh, For some reason, the kids are just not responding very well. And he's going to end up meeting with Figgins about how... uh, the history teacher who they had was forced into retirement. There was, uh, I, I didn't quite see what was going on here, but I looked up at the screen at one point and I just saw Nazi symbols everywhere. Yes. Uh, he was, she, uh, Principal Figgins was talking about the tenure position and how there's an opening now since uh, one of the already tenured teachers, the history teacher has been, uh, began to have memory issues and she was um, concluding with her class. And that's how jo- Germany won the second world war and had, Nazi symbols all over the globe. Yeah. So clearly, she is not uh, not uh, the best candidate to remain teaching at McKinley High School, especially yeah. since this high school was already in the dumps in terms of faculty, you know, standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I guess pushing a fellow teacher down the staircase was not enough, but, uh, you know, this lesson from this history teacher was, and she is on her way out, or no, she is already out. So yes, as you mentioned, a tenured position has opened up in McKinley, and there's only room for one person to take it. Uh, he te- Figgins is telling Will that he is an option, but there are several options. So, you know, Will, you've kind of been lacking a little bit in your lessons lately. It just doesn't seem like things are going so well for you. He says to him at the very end of their conversation, you are a Spanish teacher. Maybe you should try learning Spanish. 
what a what a wonderful idea isn't that uh isn't that such a great idea figgins like thank you uh for for the wisdom that you share with all of us it's great Will is going to take up this offer uh, or this, you know, idea, and he's going to go to a Spanish class taught by Ricky Martin, whose character's name is David Martinez. Um, And he is teaching uh, just some basic lesson, a basic lesson to Will and a couple other adults. This is like the nighttime hours of the school. Everyone's here for some different reasons. And halfway through the lesson, you, you realize that like Will has no idea what's happening here. He doesn't know half the stuff that David is saying. He can barely understand anything. And then at the very end of class, he's going to offer to buy David a cup of coffee, which again, what is going on here? Because they just end up end up in the teacher's lounge. So why is he like there was just like this whole beginning of the episode, like very minor things, but like it just felt like pieced together in such a strange way. And like the lines, I was like, it gets so much better in the rest of the episode. But I just felt like something weird was happening here. Like the introduction felt so sloppy and all over the place. I don't know. if I don't know. Is that just me? No, definitely not. I mean, it's the. It's the Glee thing, right? Where they do a theme of the week, and this one obviously is about. They're trying this. I think this is one of the first clear cut episodes that we get where they are attempting to address racial ethnic disparities. And because it is Glee, and there's so many tonal shifts throughout the series, whenever we do get a, a semi serious, things can get a little bit shoehorned in. So just. All of a sudden, there's this Spanish class that takes place at McKinley High School at nighttime. All of a sudden, there's a tenure position that's opening up. All of a sudden, there are teachers' complaints being lodged from students. All of a sudden, uh, Will decides to actually take said Spanish class from said Spanish teacher. It's just very, very crammed in. So, yeah, no, you're not alone in thinking that. I felt like it was rather sloppy, too. Yeah, and I also meant to mention this at the top, but, like, obviously, like, I wish that we could have gotten somebody uh, on the podcast with us that is like from Latin or Spanish descent. Yes. Um, and you said, what were you telling me before? Uh, tell, say this again about what you took in high school. So I, um, I took Spanish when I was 10 years old. My mom put my sister and I in a Spanish class because she really wanted us to be worldly. But when I got to middle school, I got into an IB program and they offered four languages, Japanese, French, German or Spanish. Usually in Pittsburgh, if you, you would attend this school if you had already gone to an elementary school that offered um, one of the other languages. The only other languages that was that, the only language that was not offered in elementary school was Japanese. And since my sister and I had no prior language experience, we were automatically placed in Japanese. So I've been taking Japanese sixth through twelfth grade, and then continued my education at college. So I am at I'm like somewhere in between beginner and intermediate as far as Japanese goes. Um, but yeah, literally hardly any Spanish training. I can count from one to ten, um, and that's pretty much it. I can you know say the basics: hello, good night, good good morning, a few a few things here and there. I have spent a lot of time in uh, in restaurants in the service industry, and a lot of the people that I have encountered are Spanish speaking individuals. So I've been able to pick up a few things here and there, but. Yeah, nah, I don't know Spanish that well either. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, first of all, well, not the same boat as uh, the story you just told, because sixth through twelfth grade, like we didn't, we took it. I think we started in eighth grade, took it in ninth, and maybe also tenth, but like it was not required very much past that. Or uh, like I guess you could have elected to take more languages as you got further, but like you had a very small window of where you had to be in a language, and it just never stuck. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I would consider myself a little bit gifted in it, not to toot my own horn, but I just feel like because of the, I mean, because 
Because Ricky Martin does say to Will in this episode that information begins to stick more when it's translated through music. And because my mom put me in piano at a very young age, we started playing the piano like around four or five years old. I just feel like that really opened up my brain a little bit more into language reception. So I was able to catch on pretty quickly. And it's something that I've since lost since I haven't been in school for a bit and I haven't been practicing it. And there's... And it really, really helps to have native speakers because they they know it the best. They they understand the syntax, they understand the slang, they understand, you know, just how we as English speaker, speakers, I know the difference between bad grammar and good grammar and how some bad grammar is still easily understood. And you know what I mean? They just get all the nuances. But since I don't have one of those anymore, it's really, really hard to sort of like keep track of all the things that I've learned. But yeah, I uh, I miss it. I love learning languages. It's really, really fun. Especially in the romance languages, when you get to see how much everything is just stems back from Latin. It just makes everything a lot easier. Yeah. As an adult, I'm like way more uh, open to learning than I was when I was, you know, in school. I just, I mean, first of all, that was just school. And I was like, you know, just trying to get through all my classes, not just Spanish. But like, as an adult, like you want to know more. You want to be able to communicate with like the one customer that comes in that speaks Spanish. And it's like, if you have a simple question, I should be able to to be able to answer that for you. But uh, half the time you do have to end up or personally I have to end up finding somebody who does speak Spanish and that can come help them out with whatever it is. But, uh, you know, it's it's like I wish and it's not like uh nothing it's it's an impossible mission i could easily you know work on that on my own it's just never happened yet but maybe someday i definitely wouldn't count it out so uh will speaking of uh who really should get on top of this kind of thing will is uh again back at this class he's trying to figure out um some more spanish or just try to figure out where he is with all of this he ends up talking to ricky in the teacher's lounge ricky uh i'm calling him ricky that's not his character's name he's talking to to david His name is hardly said in the episode. I kept just thinking it was Ricky, too. I was like, is this Ricky? Is he acting right now, or is it just Ricky? Right? Like, I, I wrote in my notes, this is this is behind-the-scenes note about my notes. I wrote in my notes Ricky rather than David because I didn't know what his name was yet because I think they said it once and I missed it. And then I kept writing mm-hmm. Ricky so that eventually I went over to the Wikipedia page, found out what his name was, and then went from there. So that was that. <laughs> but, um, yes, David is his name. Is talking about how he used to be a tooth model. He spent so much time flossing and he was just missing life so he decided that he wanted to help kids find their duende which in according to google means passion and inspiration we're going to get a couple different like exact interpretations of that as we go along here um david is saying how it's really cool that you teach glee club but i'd like to do that myself Uh, i would like to do some kind of like latin music get those kids singing in a different language like that would be really cool and will has an idea here where he says if he could have these kids speaking spanish by the end of the week that's like some teacher of the year kind of stuff. And that would pretty much lock him in for that tenure position. So he is going to go forward with this plan and hope that it all works out. So that's that's the plan here from Will and uh, David maybe helping along. He, I mean, how arrogant must Will be to think that he can get these kids to a place where they are speaking Spanish semi-fluently or even at an intermediate level by in one week? That just goes to show that he should not be a language teacher because no language teacher is going to say that you were going to be speaking Spanish in a week. Mm-hmm. Just no, no. I mean, clearly the the goal is to introduce as much Spanish as possible and to immerse your students in it because that's the only way the brain is going to, you know, treat it like a sponge. Because I think the, the one thing that people forget when it comes to learning languages is that you have to think in that language. You cannot continuously hear the English first, translate it, and then speak it. You have to read Spanish. You have to hear Spanish. You have to think in Spanish. That's how you learn a language. So for him to be like, oh, yeah, if I can 
if I can get these people speaking Spanish, they're going to love me. I'm like, this is not just, this is, it's not a game, William. This is a language. <laughs> so I just got annoyed when I heard that. Yeah. And they're, they're going, you know, back to Will for a full episode here. And it's like, not only are they going back to him, like they're highlighting like the worst parts of him, like the worst aspects of him being a teacher. Like they are making him so incompetent and he is just showing us how like, how are you hired as a teacher? I mean, besides that, he like he is a good glee club coach for sometimes for most of the time, like the kids all are obviously very receptive to him. And we're going to get more into that later with the Santana stuff. But like when it comes to all these other aspects of teaching, like he's just so out of touch. And I don't know where that went wrong for him because it seemed like at a point maybe he wasn't this bad. But yeah, it, he's a mess. Um, and speaking of uh, teachers that are a mess, of course, Sue is always pretty uh questionable when it comes to how she approaches the kids but this man wow this i i had to watch this about three times to make sure i heard what i was hearing correctly because this is not a storyline that i remember very well and when i was listening back to it i was just like she said what now sorry what she's talking to the boys of the new directions puck Rory, Finn, Artie, and Kurt. Reminder that Blaine's out for a little bit. She's talking about how, you know, twice a day, you kids, you go off and you ruin your mother's drapes or you befoul a gym sock that has to jump from the hamper straight into therapy. Why not put that all to good use in, in your teenage years and, you know, bring it down to the clinic and you'll have five bucks more than when you walked in. Obviously, she is talking about these young teenage boys and how they jerk off at home and then use it, you know, put it in a sock and uh, all of this stuff. And I was like, wow, I'm really hearing this from a teacher to students right now. Wow. Yeah, that's glee for you. <laughs> yeah, this is just true blue sexual harassment written cleverly by the writers rooms that, you know, continuously construct menacing and menacing fuckery for Sue <laughs> Sylvester. I think, does Artie call himself an accident here? No, he said he was in an accident because uh, she's she's talking oh, about, like, okay. she's talking about, like, the different methods that they must use after they are done, and I guess Artie's is, like, a little different, because she says to him, like, you, you keep using your napkins, or, or something like that, like, I don't know, just making some kind of dig at him, and uh, it's it's just, it's strange, it's weird, uh, but yeah, no, and Artie says, talks She about, says, like, except for you, porcelain, let the strangeness end with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your sister has your sister had Down syndrome. Screw you, Sue. Yeah. So obviously this is weird. And Will walks into the room. He's very confused as to what's going on here. And they're going to go off to but they're going to go back to Sue's office where she's going to explain to him that she's just trying to instill the spirit of giving from these kids so that they feel like they should be giving more literally giving their sperm um and she went to she went to a sperm bank the other day and she was disappointed by the quality of donors that were there like all the guys that she saw i guess were just not up to her standards of what she would want to see from guys walking in and out of this place because she is actually looking to have a child she has a strong mothering instinct that she's used you know with her sister with becky and uh, she'd mm -hmm. like to take her life into a bit of a different direction while there's still time uh, she says that she had her eggs frozen in the late 70s which wasn't a thing at the time but apparently she did it by herself and uh, she says you know with financial security that she's going to have by the end of this week with the tenure then she'll be all set to begin a family which of course will has to now process the sperm thing and also the fact that sue is very much coming after the tenure spot the fact that she's going to hand him or suggest using lo looking at the uh, cheerleading magazines to jerk off you know the the the, the cheerleading magazines that yep. have images mm -hmm. of underage girls mm -hmm. yeah who write, Who wrote this show? Who wrote this episode? I'm going to find out right now. This episode was written 
uh, by Ian Brennan and directed oh, by Paris yeah. Barkley. I don't know who that is, um, but I mean, the directing was, I guess, OK. It was just the, the writing. Ian, what are you doing? I mean, it's it's strange. It's not like it's not terrible. It's just so strange. It's like it's very strange glee. Like it makes sense that this is on glee like this doesn't I, I, this storyline doesn't happen on Degrassi. This doesn't happen on other teen shows that I have seen before of, of a teacher asking kids to donate their sperm because she wants young, you know, young kids that she feels comf- more comfortable with like what is happening here yeah they really uh, it's a lot of borderline things in this episode because glee you know it likes to walk that line between drama and comedy and seriousness and satire and tongue-in-cheek energy mixed with teenage angst and sometimes it just doesn't land because mm-hmm. we go from a conversation about a guy that shouldn't even be teaching Spanish to then baby sperm shit. It's like, I can't believe, I mean, teachers are, I mean, students are lodging complaints against these, uh, against these two. I can't believe it has nothing to do with this shit. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So Sue's, Sue's going to end up, like you said, uh, she asks Will for some of his sperm. She's, she specifically calls it his baby gravy. Uh, she wants some of that to avoid her child being bald. She'd rather he has, or the child has a full head of hair, just like Will does. Uh, Figgins calls to Becky to have Becky have Sue meet, Figgins in his office. Uh, so she, she leaves Will behind with those cheerleading magazines that you just talked about. And Sue's going to go find out that she has had a complaint uh, sent in again uh, about her teaching style, which so surprising that that happened. Uh, Roz Washington, Coach Roz Washington is also here. And uh, she has some constructive criticism that she has to mention about the Cheerios. Uh, Figgins is telling Sue, listen, like you're on my short list for the tenure, but just listen, like we have some advice for you here, how you can improve as a teacher and maybe be the one that ends up getting the tenure. Like just, just take this all in. Um, Roz ends up giving her a little bit of her thoughts, which are pretty much just uh, ticket sales are down at sporting events because uh, this school has cheerleaders doing broke ass moves from the 1950s. She says to Sue, why don't you just admit that you're past your competitive edge to Sylvester? So Roz obviously telling her here that I'm kind of interested in your job because I know I can do it a whole lot better than you and you are just old and past your prime. So step down, lady. Yeah. Um, I love how uh, Principal Figgins is seemingly uh, entranced and enticed by uh, by Roz Washington because when she's, you know, delivering her lines, talking about putting some car into the badunka dunk you get. <laughs> Principal Figgins looking very, uh, woo! Yes. <laughs> so Sue better watch out because he looks like she looks like she's about to get that tenure and she's only been there for what? Less than a year now. So, yeah. And she's going to talk about later as well. She's like a former Olympic athlete that she won this what bronze medal or something. So she's like I feeling won this like bronze damn Olympic medal in Beijing, China. She doesn't feel any kind of, you know, worry about her spot here at the school. She is uh, pretty confident that she was brought here for a reason, just like I guess Shelby was. So she doesn't have anything to worry about. Uh, Yeah, let's bounce over back to the choir room. Will is writing this week's lesson on the board, which is 2030. He asks everybody, where do you think you're going to be in the year 2030? We get some typical answers, as you would expect, from Rachel, from Kurt, both saying, you know, Broadway this, Broadway that. And then Puck's answer is where you kind of freeze in time. Puck says, jail, or dead, or both. Mm. Chilling. Honestly, my uh, a couple of my friends were in this group chat last night talking about this video that's, I guess, gone viral on 
on YouTube uh, about it's like I guess it's a compilation of when Glee told the future and it made them all very uncomfortable. I haven't watched it yet because I feel like I don't necessarily need to because mm-hmm. I've seen Glee so many times that I I can probably reference many of the things that are said that seem to be very eerily similar to reality. But yeah, this is just this is just too spot on. Yeah, too spot on. Way too way too spot on. It's uh it's just again st- so strange to hear that like come out of his mouth. Um. So yeah, that's what Puck says. Uh, Will saying where wherever you guys are, you'll probably need to speak Spanish. Like the world is changing, the culture is changing. Like a lot of people are speaking other languages, not just Spanish. But uh, he wants to make the lesson for this week to only do songs by Latin artists or artists Which, that are of Latin descent. Do you agree with that, Matt? That Spanish will be like people will need to be able to speak Spanish. I don't know. I mean, this was written in 2012 and he's talking about in the year 2030. We're pretty much halfway there, if not like a little bit less than halfway there to that. And I don't know that I I feel like that's the case. I feel like that's the hopeful case that you would hope that people are able to speak Spanish and other languages more so that, you know, everybody can speak each other's languages and communicate better like that. But I don't know that it's like maybe the direction that they really thought it was going to be going in. What do you think? I feel like Spanish will definitely be around more. I've definitely encountered more Spanish-speaking people in my adulthood than I ever did in my childhood. And part of that has to do with being sheltered in school and you spend all your time in one place so you don't get to meet a bunch of people. I do think it'll be on the rise, but I just have difficulty believing that America will ever give up its imperialistic attitude in getting everybody else to speak to speak our language. I mean, there's literally a history... I mean, speaking, learning how to speak Japanese in school, I was told repeatedly how much Japanese people really appreciate the English language and how they write a lot of things in English or Romaji as they call it over there because English is considered the language of business. And that's not, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. That's because America is imperialist and we impose everything on everybody else. So I just feel like until America is toppled in some sort of, uh, some way or fashion, I just don't see uh, Spanish ever, or any language for that matter, ever, ever becoming more prevalent than English, at least mm-hmm. in the land of commerce and in, yeah. in industry. Especially if, you know, some of these people uh, in office and the people that are voting for these people have their way and they would uh, mm-hmm. you know, try to impose mm-hmm. Let's only speak English and all that kind of stuff. Uh, great stuff out hey, there. I'm, yeah. I'm all for other languages being prevalent. I, I, I think that that makes for a much more diverse world and much more just a world of deeper understanding when you're able to understand the world literally through another language. There are literally words in the English language that the Spanish language does not have. Mm-hmm. And there's Spanish words are concepts and ideas and thought patterns and schools of thoughts that don't exist in the English language because the Spanish words and vocabulary just are more specific. So it's just, I'm all for it. I just don't see it happening anytime soon, but I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah, no, I, I probably agree with you for the most part. But yeah, so this lesson is about uh, Latin artists, artists of Latin descent or uh, English songs, but they, they have to be performed bilingual. Brittany is excited about that because she is bilingual. No, you're not. <laughs> you're by something, not bilingual. It's very funny. The language of love. <laughs> um, so as the uh, lesson is being brought up, Will saying that, you know, this is overdue. He loves all things Latin and he should have done this a long time ago. And who's going to show up but the new 
teacher. Well, he's not a teacher yet. He's just like the nighttime teacher. Uh, David Martinez. I really don't like I don't remember his character's name at all. Uh, to be fair, he is in one episode, so it's not like he comes up a lot. But like you said, they barely ever say it. He shows up and man, the room just goes wild. Uh, Kurt, Santana, everybody is just staring and sweating and heavy breathing. And we get a fun line here where uh, one somebody says cutest Somebody else says smile, and then Kevin McHale says ever, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> look at look at them writing for Kevin and not Artie. That's funny. Um, love that, <laughs> right? Right? Like Kevin, I'm pretty sure at the like I don't know for sure. I think he was out for the most part at this. Like I think he was. He talks about how in season one, like he was pretty much out to some people, not everybody, but like they, as time went on, started to write for the actors more. And I mean, I have to imagine that's what was going on there. So. Good catch there. Um, And Will is talking about how David is one of his many Latin friends. So he invited him to come get his duende on, which apparently literally means dwarf, but it also means to have Spanish soul and be filled with Spanish passion. So Santana asks David if he would mind showing them. Kurt's like, dear God, yes, please. Like, please show us. Please, please, please. please. My boyfriend's not here all week. I need something. Take Uh, it off! (laughs) And Will is, uh, Will's going to, of course, agree to this, but he's going around asking everybody, can we please have a safe and supportive environment for this lesson? This is great. And then all of a sudden, sexy, and I know it starts playing. Yes. I mean, I'm not necessarily a big fan of LMFAO outside of maybe one or two songs, but I'm a fan of this Ricky Mountain performance. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the Duende all right. Duende <laughs> all over that. Yeah, this is fun. This is This is a really fun number. Like, they do some stuff in the choir room that is, you know, some good stuff here and there. Like, of course, Holly Holiday and the Forget You was a good use of this room, but they got a lot done here. A lot of choreography with Mike and Brittany and David. And then you have uh, just character moments of like, David is like, he gets on one of the chairs and he's like pretending to be in a wheelchair, wheeling backwards with Artie. Like you get that, you see Quinn and Sugar dancing with him. And like, they're just so like, Oh, you're so cute. And Kurt being like all red and blushing every time that he sees him get like even close to him. Like this is really fun. Yeah, it it's a lot of fun. I like seeing Quinn let loose a little here because she's so composed and she's going to Yale now and shit. So, <laughs> but I like seeing her let loose. I love seeing Sugar just gyrate all over the floor. <laughs> um, and of course, Will, who had no idea that this was going to happen, is sort of you know also wrapped up in it as well. So this was. This is a lot of fun, and I feel like that choir room hasn't sent, seen that much energy since probably, I don't even know, probably, mm-hmm. yeah, Holly, since last season. So Yeah, it's been a while. Um, and he's, not only is he, like, awkward here because he, I don't know, like, I think I, the number one thing is going to be that he's feeling insecure here because, wow, this guy is, like, a much better Spanish teacher, and he's doing, like, this performance that is, like, much better than anything that I could have done for this week's lesson that I designed myself. Uh, and by the end of it, Will's clapping and just trying to pretend that he enjoyed it. it. Like, you literally see him during it, like, bopping his head up and down in, like, the most awkward way, like, so into it, but he's really not, and it's just very uncomfortable. So uh, it's as uncomfortable for him as it is for us. Uh, this song had everybody there except Sam Sadie's noticeably not there, which the first time I noticed that was because Sam wasn't there when David was trying to teach Finn how to do like the sexy roles that uh, Sam had previously been trying to teach them. Oh, and yeah, I was like, well, Sam would have been all over that. Good catch. Yeah. <laughs> Sam would have absolutely been there, you know, trying to help David teach Finn all how to do that. Uh, but Sam's not there. Mercedes also wasn't there. They're off in Emma's office trying to get some advice about their relationship. 
Uh, Mercedes is saying, you know, I don't want anyone's feelings to get hurt. Emma is going to give them a pamphlet. Mercedes get uh, both of them are going to get one. Mercedes gets one that says, so you're a two-timing hoe. Sam gets one that says, so you're dating a two-timing hoe. Mercedes is very offended. She's like, no, 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 Miss Pillsbury, I don't sleep around. I'm just trying to listen to my heart, and I can't figure out, like, what it's trying to tell me. And Emma's going to give them some advice here and say, listen, why don't you guys try to, like, take some quiet time? Because you don't have any right now. You just, you're always on the phones. You're always talking, this and that. Like, you don't have any time to just sit with your own thoughts and try to listen to your heart and get your true feelings, like, heard. And Sam, this entire time, is literally on his phone tweeting about how Mercedes smells good. And, uh, like, point proven. So Emma says that you guys should spend a week not talking to each other starting now. Hooray. Yay. Not speaking. (laughs) Yeah, I like this strategy, actually. I mean, if the both of them seem so unable to get outside of what's going on between the two of them, then the only way to really know, or at least one of the ways to really know how you feel about someone is to sort of, you know, take them out entirely and see how you feel. See how, you know, what things that you want to say to them. Like, when you you can't talk to them and you really need to, like, what are the things, what are some of the things that you want to say? And I think this is a pretty good, uh, strategy so mm-hmm. i'm all for it obviously i wish that mercedes hadn't kissed sam because i abhor cheating i abhor people that break other people's hearts like that that just it's happened to me and i just I, it just i have a sensitive spot towards that so i hate that she did it but I, I i guess i can give her a little bit of leeway at least for knowing that this is an issue and knowing that she is conflicted and trying to do the work to fix it. I just wish that Shane was also in the loop here because he Mm -hmm. is completely unbeknownst and that just sucks for him. It does. And I mean, the thing to highlight here besides Mercedes is, uh, of course, Emma back with her pamphlets. And uh, these two don't seem like a huge success with these two pamphlets. Mercedes gets a little offended, uh, understandably so. But she is still, you know, working through her lessons that uh, maybe this is what was inside there to uh, to take the time apart. I'm not sure what was inside these pamphlets, but uh, that's that's the deal there. So we'll see if those two can go some time without talking to each other. Um, We are going to go over to the gym and we see the Cheerios doing some choreo uh we have santana watching from the sidelines with becky and with sue and Roz washington is the one who seems to be leading the way here doing all of these exercises and well it's just it's it's a routine that they have prepared um and of course it's Brittany uh at the head of it with all the other cheerios so we got to get some heather morris dancing in there and it's great and by the end of it it was a good number they all had a great time they were all very happy and they head off to the locker room and Roz and sue are going to have a conversation here Roz says that she's not a mind reader, but she has a feeling that the Cheerios liked her dance moves a little bit better than what Sue's been doing. And Sue's like, well, you know, the English language kind of lacks the words to express just how much I dislike you. And I'm on to you. I know what you're planning. You're waiting for me to take my maternity leave, and then you're going to swoop in and try to steal my job. And Roz is like, whoa, hold up. Maternity leave? <laughs> you're kidding, right? You're kidding. And Sue's like, no, I'm not. I'm getting pregnant, and then I'm going to have a baby. Like, what? what's funny here? Who laughed? And Roz says, with whose vagina? Sue, you can't have no baby. You are old as a hill. You are not going to give birth to any child. You're going to give birth to a grandchild. Ouch. <laughs> you're going to get in them stirrups. And you're going to push and push. And a fool going to throw is going to pop up with a briefcase and a job talking on a cell phone. <laughs> and by the way, I don't need to see your job, Sue Sylvester. Want to know why? Figgins is going to give it to me. <laughs> I love this whole thing. I love yes. this whole thing. Anytime that Sue Sylvester gets talked 
down to. It's just, it's great. Because Glee will do this thing well, where these problematic characters will say a lot of shit um, and do very, very questionable things. And we just saw her solicit the Glee Club kids, the kids that she seemingly hates most of the time, for their sperm, which is really, really not okay. But then she gets this moment of comeuppance where uh, Roz Washington is just going to lay into her and say, like, look, you cannot, you're not having a child. You are an old, old ass crone. It's just not happening. <laughs> so it sort of like helps redeem the story in right. a way. It's like super rough, like for, for Sue to hear this. I mean, she is probably heard this kind of stuff before. Maybe she had these thoughts, but like, she's just getting like beaten up uh, from it. Roz says to her also, like, you might've won some trophies a long time ago. Real impressive, but I'm an Olympian. I've had lunch with the president and I've had a threesome with Michael Phelps. You are mm-hmm. done as a coach and uh, all the hormones in Thailand can't change the fact that you are done as a woman. So what you need to do is start praying that you give birth to a child that likes to eat sand. Cause that's all that's going to come out of those old wrinkly boobs. So this is but 2012 is a little bit, at least to my knowledge, I am not, uh, an expectant mother or I'm not, I'm not a woman. So I never really had to, you know, pay too close attention to this research, but I would assume that the idea of women into their forties and even a little bit beyond, um, having children wasn't as prevalent. I mean, I think with, I mean, notably with Janet Jackson being well into her forties and having a, a child, um, has sort of like sparked the national conversation about how old someone can typically be before it's actually just impossible. And that number seems to be getting higher and higher and higher as time progresses. But in 2012, this probably was more of a of a popular opinion to take because I'm going to assume that Sue Sylvester is supposed to be in her 40s. We know that Jane Lynch might be a little bit older. I'm actually not sure how old Jane Lynch is, but I'm assuming that Jane Lynch is supposed to be older than Sue Sylvester. And so her being in her 40s and having a child in 2012, out of the fucking question. So Roz Washington laying into her here probably is not anything new for Sue because, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but like that's the thing though because we uh, are probably supposed to think that Sue was a little bit older I, w- I was like she doesn't already have tenure like really maybe she got to the school late I don't know like I guess but like I don't know she probably would have like blackmailed somebody to make sure she had it by now that's like that's like the hardest thing to believe out of this entire episode that she doesn't already have it in some way shape or form that's true that's that's, that's what I'm confused about, but whatever. Uh, we're gonna go to Rachel's house. Of course, Rachel is uh, always down to have some people over and you know hang out in her room. She's watching TV with Mercedes and Kurt. We've seen a couple times now Rachel and Mercedes hanging out, but like it hasn't happened since the whole Trouble Tone situation. So I guess they're friends again. That's cool happy for them. Uh, They're talking about, you know, whatever show their TV or movie they're watching. They're talking about true love and all this stuff. And it inspires Rachel that eventually she wants to tell them a secret. She is going to end up pulling out the engagement ring, which she's wearing as a necklace. And they are just in disbelief. Uh, They can't believe that she said yes, because she obviously tells them that Uh, they're like, Rachel, have you lost your damn mind? Like, what about Niata? And she says, well, I still want to do Niata, but like at the end of the day, I still love Finn and every dream that I have has Finn in it. And, you know, I know I'm going to be a huge star one day, but I also know that I meant to be with him. So I said, yes, like, is that so crazy? Like she's she's hoping that they were going to react, obviously, a lot better than they are. Uh, This is a big deal, of course, for Kurt, because Kurt lives with Finn and Finn is not 
not said anything to her yet. Like, how did Finn think that Rachel and Kurt are friends and like that Kurt wasn't going to find out about this? Like, big dummy. So Kurt says he's going to go home and yell at Finn. And Rachel says, please don't. Like, that's not fair. What if Blaine proposed to you right now? You would say no. And the look on Kurt's face tell you tells you that he probably would not say no. Uh, so... That's, uh, you know, he's he's responding this way. She's upset. She was hoping that she could just keep this a secret between them. And Mercedes is asking her, like, do you know that you're making the right choice here? Are you sure? Rachel says to close this out. Uh, look, I know I have the right person. The scary part was just choosing to know that. So she is still feeling confident about this decision. But these two were like, you have lost your mind. Yeah, it's she, she's what? 17, 18. And it's not like I said. We've I think we spoke in the last episode about teenage love and high school love and how sometimes yes it does work out. Sometimes you just know and you love that person and you want to spend the rest of your life with them. That's fine, um, but it's still very very young. And she has Rachel has never. It's it's hard when you're somebody's friend and you have this idea of them in your mind and you've seen them as a person and. All of a sudden, there's somebody else in the picture, and that person starts acting differently. The things that they said that they said that were the most important to them are no longer the first priority. It's like, mm, I don't know about this. I don't understand this influence right now because I'm your friend, and you have never started singing the tune of marriage until you met this person. And I'm just worried that you are not thinking clearly here. And I would feel the same way if I was fan. I mean. You literally are the girl that sent another girl to a crack house for a solo because you wanted to be a star. You need to be the star. And all of a sudden, you're talking about marriage. But in Rachel's defense, you don't have to get married now. It's just an engagement ring. It's not, you know, it's not saying we're going to put the second ring on it now and have kids. And and I, and I believe that Rachel definitely still wants to go to, to New York and everything. So things will be put on the back burner. I just think it's, you know, her saying... I love him. He loves me. And it's just a promise that eventually one day we will get married. So it's not the end of the world, but I mean, she is 18. So it's, it's scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm totally, totally agreeing with, uh, with all that. I just, for me, I'm just, I don't understand. Like, again, Rachel is not dumb. She has these dreams. She should have, probably said no i don't think that's you know i think everybody's probably on the same page with that and finn should not have you know been able to convince her to say yes with just a song or whatever that was going on in the last episode like this should have been an obvious no she has these new york dreams she made it very clear to kurt at the end of last season that uh i don't think finn's going to be able to make it here as well i don't think that this is all going to come together but she's worked really hard this season to make that a reality it's just obviously maybe we're being you know result oriented knowing how it all does play out uh that finn is not made for new york so you know maybe we just are thinking like that but uh, you have to imagine knowing finn at this point what we know about him that he's not meant for new york so this is just very strange um we're gonna go follow mercedes back to the choir room she's going to go into her performance of don't want to lose you and she is going to start the song with the in english ends up in spanish and by the end of the song uh like mostly you kind of follow sugar here who's given the reactions like she's very confused that i guess she doesn't expect that mercedes knew spanish yes i guess <laughs> not yeah, and Mercedes is singing directly to Sam uh, the entire time, and, you know, they can't talk to each other, but nobody said anything about singing. Yeah, and she sounds beautiful here. Um, I hadn't known this song until I heard it on Glee, and I went and watched, or heard the original, which is just as beautiful. Um, Sam, obviously, 
can't help but be receptive to this message because he knows that he shouldn't be speaking to her. But, I mean, he really, really likes her. And for her to be sick, I, I don't know what it is about. I mean, these languages are called romance languages for a reason, okay? Because when <laughs> you start singing in Spanish or Italian or maybe even in French, I'm just like, oh, I don't know what you're saying, baby, but <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she, she definitely sounds good. Um, I don't know the song very well at all, but, uh, I know it from Mercedes and I know that, uh, she sounds good on it. So that's all I need. And, uh, we're going to go into the next performance after that, which is immediately right after that with Sam and the New Directions boys doing a mashup of Bombaleo and Hero. Bombaleo. Yeah, those big ass, uh, I forget what you would even call those shoes. I don't want to be, I don't want to misnomer them and... <laughs> be a offensive or anything but i loved those shoes i wonder you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say those big ass lips <laughs> and then oh yeah. well those two those, those two. two um yeah another another How fun would you number even here walk up the stairs with those on are you supposed to walk in them or are you supposed to just dance in them yeah i guess that's a fair question <laughs> yeah um and i've of course i was wondering what these shoes were during the episode and i was about to get ready to google them but then at the very end of the number will asks them about what they're wearing and uh finn says that david has been teaching them about latin culture and their mexican hipster boots it's like a fad for guys who are into dance music and he's like we're kind of like a boy band so we uh we tried them out so this is a fun number um and it looked like he did his work his his research you know because he knew exactly what to say to will when he answered that question about the shoes so i don't know i haven't really done a lot of research on the shoes so i don't nece- i don't necessarily know if it could be considered um cultural appropriation but um it looked as if everything was well-intentioned which isn't always you know an excuse because you know what we can say about intentions but i think that this is a pretty good performance from what mm-hmm. i understand yeah, I, I thought, I mean, yeah, from exactly the way you phrased it, from what I understand, I thought this was fun. So uh, that number is uh, the last one that we're going to see in the choir room for now. Uh, let's go over to catch up with Sue and Emma as uh, we are going to see Emma talking to Sue as Emma has now found out about Sue's plans that she asked Emma's fiance to donate his sperm to her that's an awkward conversation to get into isn't it uh emma says to sue it's wrong uh to ask or it's inappropriate i think she says to ask will for his sperm like what are you doing uh she she start she understands as this conversation goes on what sue is trying to get at but like the way that it began was just you know kind of uncomfortable uh emma's saying like sue you hate will you've made that very clear so i don't know why you're asking him specifically and she says uh sue says yeah i get that and i get that i'm like i'm a lot but I don't want my kid to think all, and be like all, like all the horrible things about me. I don't want that for my kid. Every time that I've tried to to you know shut Will down, he's always risen up and met, met me with kindness. Like it's the goodness and the optimism that he has. And like if that's somehow genetic, then that's what I want for my child. So that's why I asked him. Uh, but she's ki- kind of realizing here that Will's probably not going to do it, especially if Emma's coming to him like this. And uh, Emma's like, yeah, if he's not going to do it, like I prefer to let him tell you that. Uh, she says, but I am like, I'm sorry about that. And for what it's worth, I do think that you should have a child. I do think it would be really good for you. So, yeah. Yeah, this is very strange. I mean, so you're aware, you're aware that you your child is going to have 50% of your DNA as well, right? Like, 
having will father your your child is not going to guarantee that they are not going to be just as wretched and as evil as you because a lot of that i mean like you, you can get into like the nature versus nurture argument it's like so if you end up being a bitch to your child they're going to be a bitch <laughs> so, no matter how much baby gravy you get from will so yeah, this is a very strange scene <laughs> baby but gravy i understand it. what she's going for i understand that she wants to bring as much light into her child's life as possible, but then just be, and I think that's what, sort of what Emma is saying. It's like, well, then just be a good mom and you won't have to worry about any of that. Mm-hmm. So. Do you think Baby Gravy is an original Glee joke or have we uh, heard no, that I think, before? I think I've definitely heard that before. Okay. I, I don't think I have. Um, so I guess they would get the credit from me unless, you know, pointed in a different direction of where that's uh, also been said. Sue is going to end up a couple scenes later, approaching Santana, a.k.a. Sandbags, uh, at her Have locker. you heard of... Wait, sorry. Have you heard of Baby Batter? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, Santana is at her locker. Sue comes up and says, you and I need to have a serious chat. I realized when I chose Becky as co-captain for the Cheerios, it might have rubbed you the wrong way, but it uh, you crossed the line when you started messing with Sue Sylvester's family. And Santana's like, what are you talking about? What family? Sue's like, you lodged a complaint about my teaching tactics with Principal Figgins, possibly derailing my bid for tenure just when I'm trying to have a baby. And again, she's going to be asked a baby with whose vagina? The second time she's getting asked that. Uh, Will comes out. He's like, what the hell's going on here? And Santana is complaining to him that uh, Sue is accusing her of something that she didn't do. And Sue's like, oh, stop with the lies. I know you did this. Will yells at her to stop, and Sue's like, no, nobody messes with my family. Nobody. Uh, so relax, Will. And you know what? By the way, Will, uh, I don't need your baby spunk anymore. I got myself another donor and a much better one. So we don't know who it is just yet, but Will is going to also – this is like the second time this episode we get a subtitled line from Will where he's trying to speak in Spanish, and the subtitle says, who's more macho of slash from Will Schuster? Was that – a direct translation or are they trying to show us that will is not getting these words right i think it's a direct translation of him fucking up the grammar and syntax of the sentence mm-hmm. like he does not know what the hell he's doing which is right. so bad because it's like how many students have passed through that class that are just completely fucked because i mean not that americans in particular hold a lot of weight in their language classes because if that were true many of us would be uh, much more fluent than we are now but for the teacher to to also have that same energy, it's just like, damn, uh, damn. And you want the tenured spot? Like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> so I don't know how Santana got dragged into this. I I don't know either. I don't know why she, maybe she just thinks that Santana is the only one that would have said anything. Um, she can't imagine any of the other Cheerios having anything to say, but she knows that her and Santana have a very tumultuous relationship, so... I guess it could be the only reason for her to do it. Imagine like your teacher comes to tell you that they want to have a baby. And like your first response is like, you're going to have a baby with whose vagina? Like I get it from like the other coach, but like from this. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Santana face too. When she says it. (laughs) Yeah. I had to pause the screen on it. (laughs) I'm going to send you a screenshot just so that you can laugh with me. (laughs) Uh, So Sue is uh, telling Will, yeah, that she doesn't need him anymore. So 
Good for you, Sue. Happy for you. Uh, over in the locker room, we have a Finn and Kurt scene where Kurt is dropping off some college brochures from Miss Pillsbury. Uh, Finn is immediately going to reply, well, you know, college isn't for everyone, implying that he's just not interested. Um, and Kurt replies, well, neither is marriage. And Finn's like, "Ugh, I can't believe she told you. Kurt's like, I can't believe you didn't. We're supposed to be brothers. Finn's like, well, I didn't want to put you in an awkward position with, uh, with Bird. I, you know, I, I just didn't want to leave you like that. And Kurt says, well, if you have to keep something like this from everybody, don't you think it's probably not the best idea in the first place? And Finn's trying to explain to him that, listen, Rachel's the best thing to happen in my life and blah, blah, blah. Kurt cuts him off. He's like, no, she isn't. You're a star just as bright as Rachel, but you won't let yourself be that star. I don't want you to turn into that guy who just holds her purse on the red carpet. Finn's like, well, I need to be honest with myself about who I really am. And I'm not Rachel. Like, that's me being honest. And Kurt's like, well, that's the point. The one thing that glee clubs don't have that we do have is the hot straight football player who can sing and sort of dance. And that's you. You're unique. You have star quality like that. You are special. And I don't want you giving up on yourself. You know, your time is not up, Finn. This is just the beginning for you. Yeah. (laughs) This is very sweet. What Kurt is trying to do. I get it. I understand it. He's your brother. You love him. But I kind of feel like Finn is being a little bit more realistic than Kurt is here. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Finn is talented as well. He's talented in his own right. But is he Broadway bound right now? Yeah, no, probably not. Especially in comparison with Rachel. And that's fine. He doesn't have to be. I Once again, I don't think that there is anything wrong with with the proposal so for, per se. I think what happens after the proposal is where errors can happen. If you love somebody so much, even at 18 years old, and you want to propose to them, fine, do it. But as long as you both are working towards something. So the proposal isn't the issue. I don't know I don't know why Kurt has that uh, that that don't that should not be the issue. What should be the issue and what I think Kurt is right about is that you don't need to dissolve yourself just to be a part of Rachel's life because you feel like there's nothing else that you can do. There are plenty of things that you can do and you can be engaged to Rachel and don't forget that. So, right. Um, it's, it's a, a very touching gesture from Kurt. And I mean, Finn obviously appreciates it at the end as well. He stops Kurt as he's on his way out, says, Hey Kurt, thanks. Appreciate it. So he's, he's appreciative that anybody's giving him advice and trying to steer him in the right direction because he really does. He has, and he continues to feel lost uh, on his own throughout the season. And he tried to throw a life raft out there and Rachel caught on to it and now they're engaged. Uh, so a pretty big life raft, but um, you know, having somebody kind of guide him into a direction that does make more sense that he just is not seeing this path in front of him is helpful to have. And it's like, Hey, you have a very smart guy as a brother. You probably should go to him for advice more often. Uh, just saying. Yeah. So yeah, we are going to see back at the Schuster residence. Will is stressing out with Emma. He has, um, I don't even remember if I mentioned this earlier. I don't think I did actually. After that performance, uh, that it was like very early on in the episode, Santana called Will out and was like, Hey, you're, uh, where's your performance? Are you going to, uh, you're going to perform this week, right? Like, I can't wait to see what you bring. I can't wait to see what you do in this lesson that you're so excited about. 
So here we are later on. Will is, you know, stressing out because his performance is coming up very soon. He's like studying more Spanish, trying to prepare his song and trying to get everything in order. And Emma hands him a pamphlet and it says performance anxiety. It's not just for teenage boys trying to help, trying to be funny, trying to be cute. Uh, Will tells mm-hmm. her that, listen, this is important. I'm trying to get my tenure together. Uh, I want to have it so that you and I can have a good life and, you know, our kids can have a good life eventually. Like, this is important. And Emma gives him another pamphlet that says, no insurance, no problem. How to give yourself stitches. She's obviously trying to, like, de-escalate the stress that he's feeling right now and just kind of, like, you know, she, she's showing, listen, I'm here for you. Like, like loosen up a little bit. It's all, it's all going to be okay. And she says to him, like, I know the titles are silly, but sometimes you have to be a little provocative to get the conversation started. And uh, all he's doing is being really mean to her. And he's going to make a dig here at the end and be like, well, I guess you have a pamphlet for that, too. Right. And she is just had enough of this because he's being such a jerk to her. And we've had enough of this, Will. And she runs off. Yeah. I mean, what what was the reason? What was the reason, bitch? Like, why would you do this? I mean, to the woman that you're seeing that you're trying to take care of. You're going to shit on her. I mean, she has a job, too, you know, and she's actually good at her job. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're over here translating words and you're the damn Spanish teacher. And you didn't even I even I knew conversation was conversation in Spanish. You dumb bitch. It's the same damn word. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's being so mean to her. I just don't understand. Like, what is she doing? She's just giving you pamphlets. Relax. Yeah, like, it's very unwarranted. Will is not likable at all in this episode. At all. All the stuff that, you know, he's eventually going to do to redeem himself. Because, like I said, there's this pattern in Glee where you have problematic behavior, but it's absolved as long as one other character calls you out on it and you learn from it in the end in some seemingly meaningful way. So he's going to get absolved in the end, but is it really worth all of the shit that he went through? Like, does it really measure up? That sounds a whole lot like a lot of Will scenes and a lot of Rachel scenes. So, yeah, you're right Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. So uh, the I guess the next day uh, we're back in the auditorium and we have a performance from David and Santana, David Martinez. Um, I feel like like Holly gets called Holly Holiday, I guess. Um, but for some reason, it feels weird to me to just call this guy David. Like, I don't, I don't know why. Like, is he Mr. Martinez or like what would you call him? They call him Mr. Martinez. Do they? Mm hmm. OK, so Mr. Well, at Martinez. Least, at least that's what uh, Mr. Shu will say to the kids while he's there. Okay. So I Mr. Martinez. Mr. Martinez. Mr. Martinez. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to go into a performance of La Isla Bonita. Uh, that's a Madonna song. And uh, if you don't know, because I didn't. And uh, this number, what is, what, like, what do I even say besides Holy Santana? Yeah, she looks delicious here. Delectable. Like, amazing. Like, just incredible. Like, she... This and like we talk about like how they, you know, do some things for the actor rather than the character like this was Naya Rivera getting a chance to look amazing and dance and sing. Just it was so good. Yeah. I don't know if Naya Rivera is a Spanish speaker. I'm assuming her parents probably speak. I don't I think I read somewhere in an interview where she said that she didn't really grow up speaking it. But I mean, and I could be wrong here. So if there's any Spanish speakers that um that want to call me out in a comment, please do so. I felt like she sounded good. I I felt like the pronunciations were there. 
And so if she doesn't really speak Spanish, I thought it was a rather good performance. I mean, of course, she's probably more predisposed to it if people in her family speak, so she would know. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, I enjoyed this performance. Yeah, and I was uh, noting to myself that if this was Will dancing with a student, we would be raising the red flags. But for some reason with this, I was like, wow, this is good. Yeah, I didn't really get any, like, creeperish vibes during this performance. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, this is an 18-year-old that's dancing with a seemingly someone in his 30s. So it should, you know, one could be like, this is kind of weird. But I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't really feel that way. Yeah, they, they do a good job of, like, not making you think that. It just looks like two adults, I guess, you know, dancing. Just this, uh, it's, it's such a good everything about this. Like, I have absolutely no criticisms towards it. Um, the only thing is that uh, Will is in the audience uh, looking very, uh, very interesting. He is also looking pretty insecure because, once again, David is outshining him in a performance. And he Will sitting here thinking that he's about to go look like an idiot, which he kind of is. Uh, Will is confused about David's participation here. And he's going to say that pretty loud and publicly and ask him what he, what's going on here. And Santana says in Spanish, he's hot and I'm hot. So it made sense. And uh, David <laughs> eventually is going to end up leaving to go grade some papers. And Santana says, all right, Mr. Shu, the floor is all yours. Time to show us what you got with this week's lesson. And all right, Will's up. It's uh, He's going to go into a number, uh, a little less conversation. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Will, uh, Will is, I mean, I, I really have no notes from this number other than like, yeah. I mean, when he's, he's acting awkward. So it's like, you know, it's supposed to be awkward. It's supposed to be not what the kids were looking for and nothing even close to the last number that we just saw with uh, Mr. Martinez and Santana. So obviously this is, uh, you know, strange uh, to to watch and you just feel the, the tension between everybody or at least between uh, Santana and, and Will. It's just clearly it's not as a Spanish teacher. It's just... First of all, he's dressed in a mariachi outfit, mariachi outfit, right? Which Mm -hmm. is traditionally Mexican in culture. And then he's a Spanish matador from Spain. So he is taking all of these Spanish-speaking peoples and mashing them up into one monolith and calling it a Latin performance. When some Spanish people, meaning people from Spain, don't consider themselves Latin most people that call, consider themselves Latin are from South America. <laughs> so it's just a hodgepodge of fuckery. <laughs> and Santana is sitting here looking bewildered as she should. As a Mexican, she's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and at, at the end of this performance, Will realizes that Santana is the one who complained to Figgins about him. And Will is, like, very upset about this. He's like... Santana like this is my job here this is my life it's not a joke what I like because we know that Santana is usually somebody who like well you know mess around with this and that and not really care who she's hurting um so Will thinks I guess that that's what's going on here and Santana says okay your life is not a joke but neither is my education even though it seems to be one to you and Will's like what are you talking about everybody just loved my performance and we cut over to the kids who were all just kind of like watching this and not really looking like they loved that performance to be fair Santana's like well they don't know any better either way you're their teacher you went from la cucaracha to a uh, bullfighting mariachi like why don't you just dress up as the taco bell chihuahua and bark the theme song to dora the explorer you don't even know enough to be embarrassed about these stereotypes that you're perpetuating and will's like that is not fair like come on and she says isn't it what did you want to be when you grew up 
why did you want to be a Spanish teacher, Mr. Shu? And Will says, because it's the only teaching position that was open at the time. Uh, Santana says, I want to remind you of something that an amazing teacher once taught me. Without passion, you can't succeed. And he asks, who taught you that? And She says, you did. And you do when you teach glee, not Spanish. Good for her for checking him on it, especially in regards to her own culture. You know, I mean, yeah, because all the other kids are cheering because they don't know any better. And this is a perfect example of how American ideals sort of take all of these ethnic groups and boil out any of the nuance, any of the culture, any of the, you know, ethnic background. And we get like this really weird, sanitized, Americanized version of it. And we don't know any better because if we're not, you know, if we don't grow up in the culture and we're not uh, immersed in it, then we just see everything as one, which would convince you that you could dress up as a Mexican mariachi band performer and then have Spanish bulls circling around you. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. So... And you call yourself a Spanish teacher like that's you should be, if anything, you should be more informed about the many different ethnicities of Spanish speaking people and that they're not all the same. So, yeah, yeah, it's just not it's just not a good look. But I'm glad that he's called out on it, although I feel like it should not have come from a student. It should, probably should have come from somebody higher up. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm glad, obviously, uh, I think you said this as well. Just glad for her for standing up for herself because this is not a joke to her. She, as she said, this is, you know, this is about her education. And this is also about like seeing all these kids see what he's teaching them. And she's like, this isn't real. Like none of this, like this is just a ridiculous interpretation of how like, like everything that I know to be true. And you're just teaching it to them. Like this is what it is. Uh, so obviously she's upset about it. It's, it's offensive uh, to be doing this and to you know he's he was trying to learn he was trying to learn more spanish and like learn more words and whatever but that's not changing the lessons that he is still teaching day in and day out and the point is will you're not the right guy for this specific job and if you only took this job because it was the only teaching position open at the time look around and try to find another one because this is really not working and that's why she filed that complaint to figgins and it's surprising that it took this long for that to happen so i love that we get a shot of mercedes here in the audience being like mm, yep get him sis get him sis because <laughs> we don't really like i said before this is probably one of the most concrete ways in which glee centers an episode around uh racism and you know ethnodiversity and we don't really get a lot of it in terms of uh, black Americans in Glee. We get like a you know a few racist you know black jokes here and there, benign shit here and there. But it's never this. I think this is the deepest that they had gone, at least to my knowledge. So it was at least nice that we got a bit of a nod to Mercedes that probably felt the same way throughout her time with the Glee Club to be like, yes, get his ass, get his ass. <laughs> And speaking of characters that are on the other end of like racist remarks on this show, did you notice Tina is not in this episode? Oh, shit. I didn't realize it until now. Oh, she's, wow. She's MIA the whole episode. I don't know where she went. Just a strange she, note. Maybe she, she was with, sick that day. She's taking care of Blaine. I guess so. Somebody's got to. And uh, she... Oh, I can't wait for season four and five. Uh, <laughs> I know. I just, re I just oh remembered. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, over in the teacher's lounge, we see Coach Beast. She's complaining to both Will and Emma about how none of the guys in the in the uh, on the football team clean their jock straps. This is a big complaint of hers. It's very important. Emma has actually put together a pamphlet to help with the situation. The pamphlet entitled "Taint Misbehaving," and 
Coach Beast cannot stop praising this pamphlet. We see her like yelling at all the guys and handing out the pamphlets as she's trying to get them to work on this problem. Puck tells us that he stopped washing down there because it seemed kind of gay. Rory says that he thought that the hair was the hair down there was made to catch Which the dirt. Is so fucking stupid. Why do straight men always call everything but being gay gay? Like the only thing that makes you gay is being in love with another man. That's it. The cereal Fruit Loops is not gay. Washing your ass is not gay. Basic human hygiene is not gay. Skincare is not gay. Like wearing pink, just like everything is gay. It's just like what what else is there left for straight men to do? Gay, 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 gay. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then Finn is also going to say, uh, oh, lift and scrub. Who knew it was so easy? These guys are Dear disgusting. Uh, and uh, Beast actually also showed the pamphlet to Cooter, her husband at this point. Right. They got married. Uh, they they eloped recently. And uh, he had every team in the state order copies of it so that they could show it to all the football kids all around Ohio so that everybody can clean themselves down below and she just beast is cannot stop raving about how much of a genius emma is and she says to uh to will aren't you proud of her will like you're this is your fiance look at how great she is this is awesome so look at emma go uh tell you know teaching boys how to clean themselves since 2012 this woman does it all yeah a piece of me wondered if emma had made coach beast aware of how uh, he was being a little bit mean to her the night prior. And so she was intentionally laying it on thick to make Will feel a little guilty because it did seem very, very... I mean, Coach Beast can be an intense person sometimes, so maybe it was just her being her intense usual self. But it did seem like a little pointed. It was like, oh my God! Like, she got everybody on the football team to read this shit. And then all of a sudden, I showed him to Cooter. And then he got his team to read that shit. And then he got every team in Ohio to read that shit. And then he got everything in the every team in the Big Ten to read that shit. Aren't you proud of her, Will? Holy shit, now everybody is washing their taint. And it's all because of Emma Pillsbury. Yeah, Emma Pillsbury. Be proud, Emma. Yes, genius. Uh, uh, suck it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> you're laying it on really thick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Will is going to end up, uh, let's go cut over to the Spanish class that he's still attending with David Martinez. And uh, he's actually, David's giving out awards. And we get to the most improved award. He's going to end up giving it to Will. Will is very thankful of it. Uh, and after class, by the way, this guy just gets complimented on his teeth every five minutes, uh, mostly from this this one person that's in the class. It's just very funny. He's like, oh, these teeth, man, these teeth are just so nice. They're so distracting and so nice. Like everybody's <laughs> commenting on his teeth. Uh, Will is going to say that he doesn't think that a Spanish teacher probably should want to get this kind of award. Uh, that's kind of, you know not great for them to be getting a most improved award. He's like, these kids deserve better. They deserve you. And uh, David's like, yeah, that would be awesome. Like, when do I start? And Will's like, how about Monday? He's like, wait, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, no, they, they want to take Spanish. All of them want to take Spanish if you are their teacher. And uh, David just can't believe it. He's so happy. He's like, man, you just don't understand. My parents were immigrants and they had to lie about their citizenship to go to high school. And now I'm teaching it. It's the American dream, right? 
And Will is just very happy to hand this over to him. He says that there's an opening in the history department. So, you know, maybe that'll work out. He's always kind of liked history. And uh, at the end of this conversation, David is going to ask, so who got the tenured position, which we're going to leave on the cliffhanger for a couple of minutes. But yes, uh, David is now teaching at McKinley as the permanent Spanish teacher. Is that because they enjoyed the lessons with him or because he's just uh, Ricky Martinez? Uh, Ricky Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think he's clearly qualified and knows what the fuck he's doing, you know. Um, I mean, it's nice to see that Will is going to step aside here and, you know, let someone who was definitely more qualified to take the position. But it's just it's also just a huge problem that he would even take the position to begin with. You know what I mean? Like the fact that that the Ohio school district would hire him knowing that he didn't have any prior experience with the language and he just started to learn it just so that he could teach it. It's just like, what are y'all doing? Mm -hmm. And then you have this perfectly qualified individual that should have this job in a heartbeat, but you have this white man teaching Spanish and that's just good enough for you. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm glad that he stepped aside because obviously he did not need to be in that space. Yeah. And I mean, by stepping aside, it's obviously giving up the, the spot for being a tenured, uh, person at the school. So he is giving up that opportunity because I guess, yeah, I mean, at this point, Santana called him out and, uh, you know, the, that's, that's, it's, that's it. It's like, you've been, it's been acknowledged in front of like all your kids that like you were just incompetent for this job and it just can't go on any longer. So, uh, you can still be the glee club coach and you can still teach history now that there's an opening there, but yeah, enough of this. So he's going to move on from that. Um, we're going to wrap up a couple of other storylines and get a uh, kind of shocking twist in the Sue storyline where Becky is in Sue's office giving her a fertility injection from, uh, you know, at the advice of Sue's doctor. And Becky sits down and she has a confession to make to Sue. And Sue stops her. She says, I already know. She says, Becky, you're the one that made the complaint about me. I, I get it. She's like, I've, I've known ever since uh, I tinkered, Taylor, soldier spied my way into Figgins' file cabinet, and I read the evaluation cards. And uh, when I saw one written in crayon, I knew it was either you or Brittany, and you're the better speller. So figured it was you. And Becky's apologizing. She says she was just looking out for the team. Sue's like, you don't have to be sorry. I, I get it. I appreciate the feedback. I can take it. Um, and you know what? It, this kind of... You know, it gives me some perspective about like what's important to me and all the different passions that I have. And I don't think that motherhood is going to change any of this. So I guess she appreciates that this all happened after all. And she says, Becky, you're an excellent co-captain. And Becky tells her, well, you're going to be a great mom. So these two, nothing can break these two apart. Even Becky literally complaining to the principal about Sue. That's funny. Yeah, I love this. I mean, Becky said, oh, you going to make me captain? Oh, all right, Beck, get your shit together, bitch. Like, <laughs> get it together. So yes, I tender moment, and I mean it sort of is annoying that probably anybody else complaining about Sue would have like had her you know rain down the wrath of Sue Sylvester, and she would have just doubled down on the very antics that were getting her complained against in the first place. But uh, yeah, Becky is one of the few people on this planet that can get through to her, and that she just can't hold any ill will against. So if anybody is going to do it, it's going to be Becky to put her in her place. Yeah, I mean, I, I would never be able to stay mad at Becky. Like, she's just the brightest person, like, ever. I mean, she's definitely got her moments where she's, like, a little angry. Um, but at the end of the day, like, uh, hey, she's, like, the m most loyal person on Earth. Like, if this, uh, when we ever do that Brand Steel Survivor uh, thing for this game, like, Becky's loyalty is going to be all the way up to, like, 30. And she is going to go far. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
The 24 hours is up, and Sam Sadies is relieved that they can finally speak to each other again. And not 24 hours. It's been a week, not 24 hours. It's been a whole damn week that these two have not spoken to each other. Uh, look at these two lovebirds all, like, lovey-dovey with each other in the hallway, and it's like, oh, look. And then all of a sudden... Mr. Shane shows up to pick up Mercedes and they're going to head off to lunch. And uh, yeah, so, so much for that. Mercedes is like happy to see Sam, but as she gets taken away by her actual boyfriend, there's not much that she's going to do here. She just ends up walking away with Shane. She looks back at Sam and, you know, does the signature over the shoulder look back to, you know, show that she does obviously still care about Sam. But I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, I I wonder what they are going to say, because if... You guys were looking off flirtatiously at one another. Does that mean that you both were about to be like, let's just do this? Because if that's the case, then you should have just told Shane. Just tell him right now. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Maybe not with Sam standing right there. Maybe not in the hallway. Right. <laughs> just let him know. Let him know, Mercedes. Don't keep him like this. Not good. Stop. Yeah, so we'll follow Sam Sadie's into the future wherever they end up going for now. Mercedes is just going to lunch and Sam is going to probably cry um, with the big old trouty mouth. Um, we are going to go back to close off this episode at the Schuster residence and Emma gets home, finds that Will has made her a full dinner and Will hands her a pamphlet which says, so you were a jerk to your fiance. She appreciates it. It's cute. Uh, and then he also hands her a pamphlet that says, congratulations. I love you. And she's like, these are wonderful. She's so happy. Uh, it's a great effort that he's putting in to obviously apologize to her here. And he says he is just so proud of her because Emma got the tenure. Yes, she did. She did. I mean, any person that can come up with a bunch of pamphlets that are engaging and insightful and direct and have them spread like wildfire all over the state of Ohio clearly shows leadership qualities and innovation and industriousness and i mean yes give her the tenure because you you mm -hmm. can put she's putting mckinley on the map right now by teaching boys how to wash their wash their ass, ass. wash their yeah. ass so uh no teachers like the t teachers at mckinley it's just they don't make them like these these teachers anymore they just don't um, Will says to her, my first marriage didn't work out because my wife didn't believe in me. And then I go and pull the same crap on you. But all I know is that right now in this moment, I just want that to stop. I want to sit here, eat some chicken and look back on everything you've done to get to this moment and everything He's that I'm going to do gold digger. from this moment to make sure you feel as special and as amazing as I know you are. All of a sudden when that money's coming in, when that secured money is coming in, now you want to look at them damn pamphlets. Now, now he does. Yes. So, yeah, that's uh, that's this episode. We have Emma with the tenure. We have uh, Sue still working on getting pregnant. We are still having a baby. Um, and we yeah, that's it. That's that's all we got. All right. Well, this is the part of the episode where Matt and I are going to try and figure out what our best song is. And honestly, I have no idea. But let's get right back into this roster. La Cucaracha, performed by Will, Puck, and Finn. Sexy and I Know It. Oh, I think Artie's in there, too. Sexy and I Know It, performed by David Martinez and The New Directions. Don't Want to Lose You, performed by Mercedes. Bamboleo, Hero, by Sam and The New Directions Boys. La Isla Bonita, by David Martinez and Santana Lopez. A Little Less Conversacion. I will. All right. So you have no idea where you're going? No, I don't right now. 
Yeah, it's tough for me because there's only one song in here that I like knew going, you know, know from outside of this episode of Glee. Um, and that doesn't always, you know, weigh a whole lot in, but it definitely doesn't hurt, I would say. And I think I'm going to end up going with Sexy and I Know It as my favorite number of the episode. Like, I am never probably ever going to listen to that back. And I know that I know that we're picking favorite songs, which maybe I'm like, uh, maybe that defeats the purpose of it. But this number is just so much fun to me. And it's like everybody's there. Everybody's involved. You get a whole lot of character moments in there with uh, David, David Martinez comes in and he's just breaking it all down with with everybody. Everybody's just having such a good time. And I don't know, I just really enjoy that number to watch at the very least. And I don't think I think I don't know. I really like Bombaleo Hero mashup. I sound so stupid saying these song names, but um, sexy. And I know it's going to be mine. You know, I think the song that probably made the most impact on me, I mean, there's two of them. There's the David and Santana duet, but then there's also Mercedes. And I think I'm going to go, I'll go with Laila Bonita because whenever Santana gets paired up with some of these guest stars, I'm like, "Mm, yes, honey. Yes. So, and it was just such a sleek and sexy performance with the lasers and everything. I just, I was into it. Yeah. I'm into Um, it. I, I, again, couldn't, couldn't have said enough good things about it. And, um, it was also in contention. I just, uh, I don't know, ended up with sexy and I know it. So yeah, uh, some good numbers here and shout out to Ricky Martin, otherwise known as Ricky Martinez for coming in here and, uh, mm-hmm. doing a decent job as a guest, ho- uh, guest star. I don't know that I would say he's like near the top five of Glee guest stars to this point, but definitely don't hate that he stopped by. Yeah, don't I, I don't hate it. He's definitely I, I don't know if he's in my top five, but he's yeah. he's fine. He's fine. He is fine. I just feel like they didn't give him enough. You know what I mean? They pretty much caught him on here because it was Latin week. <laughs> That's what it kind of boils down to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I, I wish that I wish that which is fine. Like I'm fine with Glee covering a bunch of Latin artists. That's that's fine. Even though some of them aren't even Latin artists, but I just feel like we don't get as much. I mean, we get two substantial scenes with him. And the first one is him telling Will about how he just wants to be able to be a teacher full time. And then the second one is him becoming a teacher full time. There's no like there's no build, you know, so. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking for your slushy rating for this episode? This episode is a little tough because there's a lot of uh, racial jokes in there that I'm not necessarily sure if they pay off. I I've already, I think I've already made my opinion clear about some of the racial jokes on Glee. I think that for the most part, it's it's fine to get a cheap laugh in there here or two, as long as it's addressed in the show, as long as it's like sort of made clear, like no, that fucking shit at the end of the day is not okay. But I just don't know if we got that payoff here. I don't know if that was like I, I just don't know if I really felt like we got away with everything here. Um, I, I do like the fact that Santana, which is probably the best moment of the entire show, was the one to sort of call Will on his bullshit and let him know, like, look, what you're doing is not okay. Um, this is not a joke to me. It's not a joke to other people that look like me. I think that that resonates well. I just don't know if he really ends up learning anything at the end of the day, even in giving up his position, because his wife is the one that ends up getting the tenure, so he still wins at the end of the fucking episode. Well, his, his, his you know, future wife, not quite right. there yet, but... I think that I'm probably going to go ahead and give this episode two slushies. 
Yeah, I'm feeling around the same uh, same spot. I'm just kind of debating, do I go with the two slushies or do I give it an extra half a slushie? It's just, you know, I've never been a big fan of the adult-centric episodes. This one obviously being all about Will and all about Will in like a pretty negative aspect of like him looking like an idiot and him at least, you know, by the end pretty much admitting that he's being an idiot and a jerk and pretty terrible. Uh, the other stuff that we get is the Sue stuff, which is so strange, um, you know, starting off to see her asking all the new directions boys to donate their sperm essentially for purely selfish reasons is a strange way to go there you get some sam stady stuff but not a lot and not enough uh we follow up with the rachel and finn thing a little bit so maybe the kurt scene saves it a little bit here and there um i'm torn um i feel like i feel like i am gonna end up hmm I'll go, I'll just go two. I'll go two slushies. I'll match you on that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with two. So sounds like we are uh, pretty much in agreement on how we enjoyed this episode. But uh, let's give out some gold stars and see if we agree on that. And uh, you're up first today. I think there's a few contenders here. Even though this episode wasn't my favorite, I think there's obviously a case to be made for Santana. There's a case to be made for guest star Ricky Martin. Um, there's a case to be made for Coach Beast as well. Oh, not Coach Beast. Coach Beast. Um, Emma here. Coach Emma. Uh, Coach Emma. She mm. is a relationship coach in a way. You know what? I don't have I given it to Emma Pillsbury. I don't think I've given it to Emma Pillsbury this season. I'll give it to Emma. I like. I mean, I think it's easy. I, I, yeah, because I, I, I liked what she did here. I liked the fact that she you know, was able to be instructive with Sam and Mercedes. And I also like the fact that she is out here getting tenure and coming up with these really engaging pamphlets that are selling like hotcakes, uh, mm-hmm. even without the support of her ass of a husband or, you know, fiance. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Emma this time around. Yeah, Emma is also going to get my gold star. Seemed like the obvious pick there. She was, uh, she she's the one who, first of all, she she got the tenure at the end of this, and she turned the Ohio, entire state of Ohio uh, around with these football guys and teaching them how to clean themselves. So uh, we definitely could use that kind of light in the world these days, or uh, anytime teaching people how to clean themselves. Let's do it. Let's do more of that. So shout out to Emma there. Shout out to Emma for. You know, having Will realize that he was being terrible to her because why would you ever be a jerk to Emma? I don't know why. Um, yeah, Emma is going to be our gold star. Two gold stars in this episode. She did not get a single star in season two or yet in season three. So we're getting her back in the mix there. Love to see it. Yes, you love to see it, Emma. Yes, so that's that's what we've got for this episode. The Spanish teacher has come and gone, and uh, we have Ricky Martin is not going to return. It's a one-off appearance here uh, as the character of David Martinez is uh, is already done. The Spanish teacher, I guess we're not going to go back to Spanish class Yeah, which soon. would make no sense, narratively speaking. If he's going to be a faculty member of McKinley permanently, like we should at least see him once or twice more. But yes. hey, whatever. Yeah, you would think so, but um, that's that's it for this episode. That's all I got. So uh, unless you have anything else, let's get out of here. Nope, nothing else. Make sure that you are following us at Choir Room Pod on Twitter. You can follow us individually. I'm Adamon Adwin. Matt is at Matt Logori. Leave us star ratings and reviews. They really help us out in visibility, and we'll read your reviews 
on the uh, episode. Actually, I just wanted to go ahead and read the DM that I got yesterday because I thought it was so sweet. Danny on Twitter said, loving the choir room podcast. Just listen to the episode where you say a teacher uh, told you to stop trying to dance straight. You're not fooling anyone. Gave me war flashbacks of high school. LMAO, thank you. So thank you so much. I stand in solidarity <laughs> with you being uh, teased for the way that you dance. I get it. I'm with you. But thanks so much for listening. And yeah, anything else on your end, Matt? Yeah, I was also thinking about because you were you. Uh, I think you mentioned that email to me yesterday. Like, if anybody has anything that they don't want us to read on the air, like if you have anything that you're like you don't want us to like attach your name to it or anything like that, but you still have something you want us to talk about, feel free to uh, still reach out to us, and we can gladly make that accommodation of not you know calling you out for whatever you have to say. I know there's a lot of glee takes out there that are just maybe you know not the um, not. I don't know, just uh, controversial or whatever it may be. So you don't always have to, you know, we don't always have to read everything you write. So if you don't want us to talk about anything, you know, still uh, message us anyway. Definitely, definitely. If you if you want to get your get your uh, thoughts out, but want to remain anonymous, we are going like more than happy to do that. Yes. So that's it. Follow us, listen to us, love us. We love you. So thank you guys for listening, and until next time. Oh